heard something happen around Bendigo that's got you a little bit confused? experienced PI to get you the answers you needed. Unfortunately, that's not in the budget, so these guys will have to do. Well, who are you? This is Coggo and Mandy on the case. Okay, it's time to talk communications, and I think uh, what you do, Mandy, is you always go to the top, don't you? Always go to the top of the tree if you want an answer, and that's exactly what we've done today. Absolutely, especially in regional. We've got a big footprint here, but we've also got someone very special with us today. And we have some interesting curly questions that I've got. Don't you worry about that, the (laughs) Honourable Michelle Rowland. Hello. Great to be with you. Great to have you with us as well. And it's good to have you in the Triple M studio, which, as you know, is local. And we want to talk about that soon, Michelle. But um, the recent situation with Facebook and the misinformation and things on social media, I think we've all been let's put it this way, sucked in, have we, by that? And it's frustrating because we're not sure what's right and wrong. But I know you're going to be doing something about it. Absolutely. And unfortunately, whilst these platforms like Facebook and other platforms are really good sources of people to be able to communicate, there are also, unfortunately, places where mis- and disinformation can spread very quickly. So the government is very concerned about where mis- and disinformation is capable of causing harm. We want to make sure the platforms are doing the right thing, that we've got sufficient laws in place to be able to look at what they're doing, what sort of mechanisms uh, they're undertaking to stop this spreading, because once it takes hold, it can be very difficult to rein in. Look, you can, and there's certain social medias uh, that you look at, Mandy. I mean, you know, there's this Facebook, we get that. There's uh, there's so many, isn't there? There's Instagram. Um, what's the other one? TikTok. TikTok. I knew that. Um, social. That mm-hmm. too. But there's also Twitter, which I think mm-hmm. is one of the ones that we, we tend to get a lot of news from. And I, I think that regardless of what it is, you, it must be hard to go through it with a fine-tooth comb because mud sticks, doesn't it, if something's out there already? It certainly does. But I should stress, this isn't a proposal about censoring individual pieces of content, free speech including uh, political um, authorised material, including genuine news content, aren't affected. This is about examining the behaviour of the platforms themselves mm, mm. and making sure that where missing disinformation is harmful, the government is doing everything we can to keep Australians safe. Yeah, I think that's fair too. It's a you know, system that has, uh, well, it's a little bit overdue. Is it, really? Well, certainly around the world, we've got governments who are looking at this in Mm. Europe. This is a first for Australia, but it's been a long time coming. We've made Mm. sure we've got the evidence base that the industry is well aware. They've got a voluntary code in place and we've put them on notice for some time now that we're going to have a graduated approach, one that takes into account the nature of balancing free speech and privacy against keeping people safe. We've got this public consultation on our draft laws. We welcome all those comments as well. Mm, Mandy, um, um, yeah, I was just going to ask Michelle, you're talking about misinformation and disinformation a bit there. There's obviously laws around that. Can you explain the difference to us, please? It's a great question. I think the easiest way to describe that is in terms of intent. Misinformation is information that's verifiably wrong uh, and in this context can cause harm. Disinformation is where there is the intent to have this kind of information spread. And that can be spread, for example, by bad actors or rogue states. And sometimes that harm is very real. You'll know here in, the, here in the regions, getting accurate information about bushfires and other natural disasters, for example, if you've got someone deliberately spreading disinformation that causes people to take the wrong route um, out of a, a danger yeah. zone, then we're really talking about life and death. Yeah. Harmful on purpose. Type, exactly. Type context. Are the fines going to be fairly high? You 
would think they would have to be. They're sure. very, they're, they can be very high. Yeah. And again, this is graduated. It's around $3 million for breaches of some types um, mm. of, uh, for, for some offences, but up to uh, $7 million um, for others. Uh, and it will also be based on whatever is higher, a percentage of revenue as well. So what okay. we're doing here, this is about deterring people um, and deterring the platforms from doing the wrong thing, but it's also about giving the incentives to do the right thing as well, mm. which is really important. Yeah, accountability. Let's mm. talk old school now, Michelle, talking to the Honourable Michelle Rowland here, MP in the studio. Great to have you in, Triple M. Um, I'm old school, so I think of this type of radio is, is you know, it wasn't relevant years ago. We're all going with the digital and we had all these platforms that we're going to use. This is still very relevant. So how important is, is the everyday radio to uh, your ministry? How 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 strong is it? Broadcasting is fundamental and mm. radio is one of the earliest forms of media. Correct. And many people predicted with the rise of streaming services and digital that that would be the death of radio and it's been the exact opposite. And Correct. I think there's probably three reasons for that. The first is that people value localism. Mm. Uh, the second is that they value trust in the relationships they have with good presenters um, like yourself. And the third is the qualities of radio. It's free, it's ubiquitous and it's stable. So so we know that we've been, you know, we've been talking about disasters in a disaster. People will turn to the radio because mm. when the electricity goes out, when the mobile networks go down, often it's that radio broadcasting that's the last form of communication that's available. And I take my hat off um, to the good people of commercial radio right around Australia, and particularly in the regions, for the job that you do in helping to keep Australia safe. So it's important to you to keep locals working in radio. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we face very many challenging times, but I will put a plug in for your industry organisation, CRA. They've been um, very effective in terms of bringing these clear issues to um, my attention as minister and everything from uh, prominence and the ability to make sure that you can access um, local radio services um, in cars and also on mm. smart speakers. So these discussions have been really um, useful. But it's the innovation of radio as well that I think is going to yep. continue to hold this media in in really good stead. Uh, the podcasts, um, the ability to be involved in communities, you can't replace that. It looks like we still have a job for a while, Mandy. <laughs> Which is good news. Yeah, thanks, I can Michelle. relax now. So thanks for sharing that, Michelle. <laughs> I was getting a bit anxious. But I'm I'm really happy to hear what you just said about the importance of the localism and regionally. And that is what we really do pride ourselves on here in Bendigo, Central Victoria. And um, I'm feeling extra secure now too, Cox. Well, so, as you should, but I think it's not just Bendigo, is it? Probably, right. Michelle, it's everywhere. It's the, the little regional areas that, you know, they may have, all due respect, lost their newspapers, some of them. Mm. So the radio all of a sudden becomes the, the way you connect. Absolutely. And look, it's challenging times, make no mistake. The world has changed in the last 20 years with the rise of uh, digital platforms. But again, Australians value um, what they know Mm. and and what they trust. So thank you for doing what you do as well on behalf of all your listeners. All right. We've had too many slaps on the back here, Mandy. So I just want to throw (laughs) this out to you. What about the the, uh, the, uh, communication areas like with your, your TV black spots and your mobile black spots? Are we, are we getting better? 
It's getting better yeah. in, in some areas. Um, and one of the places that it is getting better is in terms of uh, broadband access as well. Yeah. And I've been really pleased here in Bendigo to be able to announce that uh, we've got three types of technologies for the MBN um, in Bendigo. There's uh, fibre, there's also um, the fixed wireless service and the satellite service. And we've recently announced a significant upgrade to that satellite service that some of your listeners might be on. Mm. And that means over 3,000 uh, residents and small businesses will be able to enjoy um, unmetered and uncapped um, uh, data and speeds yeah, uh, through that. the NBN satellite, which is really important. Upgrading that fixed wireless and also bringing in more fibre to areas that previously have had copper as their main delivery service. Uh, so that's a really important initiative because we know that Australians are more data hungry than ever before. How important it is for regions to have that equality of opportunity for access to the best communications. And really, this is about bridging that digital divide. The thing I suppose too, Mandy, is the fact that we've come from a point with NBN, as you said, Michelle, and we were a bit sus, we're a bit unsure. Now we're, we're pretty sure and we're pretty happy, but we all want everything quick, don't we? We need it quick. We've had it you know, slow, quicker, quicker, and now it's like, what's happened to that? So the pressure's on, isn't it, really? Absolutely. And uh, I think those expectations have been heightened by the pandemic as well, when you've had people mm. who've um, moved from metropolitan areas to regional areas Correct, for a change yeah. in lifestyle. And there is that expectation now of always on and always working properly. And it's important for your tourism. It's important for your local economies. And you know, small businesses need it for the changes that are in economy that are only going to become more and more exacerbated, more and more people are going to be engaging with government, uh, with, uh, you know, with, with e-commerce itself, the way we uh, study, the way we work. Everything relies on having that reliability of connectivity. So when your phone doesn't have much of a signal, who do you blame? You? Well, I uh, <laughs> the telcos. <laughs> I, I certainly am very keen to continue working um, with the sector and with communities. Yeah. That's why we've got we've got programs out there for black spot infills. But again, coming back to um, emergency services as well in the regions, we've got a really significant program out there for um, improving mobile, what we call mobile network hardening, to yeah. make sure that you know. Unfortunately, when you do get a bushfire, for example, coming through. At least what we can do is make sure that the mobile service is on for longer and there's technologies that can help us do that. Yeah. Um, but that remains our primary objective always, to mm. make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep our communications up. Correct, yeah. yeah, and the safety of others within it also. Evolution's a magnificent thing. Where do you see it heading in the future? That is so interesting. Mm. I think there's probably two tracks. I think firstly there's going to be uh, – Australians are great adopters. We've always been early adopters. Even from the very beginning when mobile technologies took off, Australia was right up there and really quick to understand and to maximise capabilities and everyone wants the next big thing, big technology that's come out. So I think Australians will always be curious and they'll always be adopters. But then there's these enduring principles the value of localism, mm. the value of um, Australian content, uh, the value of uh, the, the values that Australians have about helping each other out. And again, you know, we see so much of radio doing that for nothing, not being not being asked, but stepping up and doing that for nothing in communities. So, whilst I see we've we've got that evolution of technologies, I think the the underlying um, the the underlying human element about what we value and what principles are important to us will always be constant. And that's what I really try and focus on as minister. Like what is always going to be important to people? And again,
again, something that's free, ubiquitous and stable. It can be reached anywhere um, you are in Australia, basically. Mm. Um, you're able to get a signal just about anywhere um, f- for radio. And that's what I think is so important. And that's what I'm really keen to make sure we always protect and preserve. And you would have found too that everybody's got to step up. You know, during COVID, we all had to change, didn't we? We all had to, all of us, none of us, none of us were void of that. So as far as local radio was concerned, we had to change. We had to keep up with things. We had to invent other things to make sure people were connected. And if we didn't do it, we're dead in the water, basically. So we've had to um, relearn a lot of stuff as well. Well, that's right. And I think the nature of broadcasting itself is that it keeps reinventing. Correct. And uh, whilst it's, it, it is special, it, it is very yeah, it special. Is. I it mean, it, even when you look at the science of it, you know, utilising a piece of spectrum that's called a finite resource, you use it, but you don't consume it and it's valuable and it's there. And um, governments have to make decisions about what we do with this thing that is so valuable. Yeah. And I will always maintain that broadcasting occupies that space that Australians will always value because we are people of principle and, and big hearts and mm. uh, especially here in the regions. Yeah, we really do want to connect. I know there's a lot of social media aspect out there where people don't, they just don't, they're faceless basically, but this one's a little bit different. So when you're connecting, it's a good feeling. It's a friendly feeling. That's what we get anyway, don't we? Yeah, yeah. It's empowering and yeah, it we is. keep it yeah. keep it localised. And we've been doing a lot of um, outside broadcasts lately, interacting with the community so they know get to know us outside. We're not just, you know, the ear of the radio. We're a face also. And they all comment on how important it is to keep that localism. Oh, it's great to mm. hear because it's a two-way relationship. It's a mental health thing too. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, you're going out, but to have that feedback yep. must be special mm. for you as well. Yeah, it is. And absolutely. And you know you're doing the right thing, but all you're really doing is using a device that was born a long time before any of us were born. Um, and it still works. Absolutely. And, and it's talking in this thing here and coming out there. And by the way, I'm still fascinated by that. Yeah. But anyway, that's my problem. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's just good, isn't it? And all around, it's something that's still around, is still communicating. And um, I, I'm so happy that you, you're very passionate about it as well. Well, a real delight to be with you. And mm. it's, it's always a pleasure to come to regional Australia and here in, in regional Victoria and to have a good chat to good people like yourselves who are keeping us connected, informed and entertained. Oh, we might even get you. paid one day, Michelle. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Michelle, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. Greatly appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you. Coggo and Mandy on the case. Ah,